1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 96 FM and C103. The Arts House.
2: Once upon a time, long, long ago. Back in the beginning of the last century, there was a young, innocent-looking princess who had her portrait taken. But time moves on, time is ticking. But first, a word from our sponsor.
3: It's time for the longine Chronoscope, a television journal of the vital issues of the hour. A presentation of the Longine Whitnor Watch Company, maker of Longine, the world's most honoured watch, and Whitnor, distinguished companion to the world-honoured Longine. So bear with me, and to
2: help us untangle the mystery of this week's Work of the Week, here's Assistant Curator Michael Waldron. Okay, Michael, listen, it looks like we're meeting on the stairs yet again in the Crawford Art Gallery, except we're not in the Crawford Art Gallery because this week's work is one of the portraits that you would find on the stairs keeping good company with a lot of other portraits. She's a princess. Tell me about her.
0: Well, first of all, we have to stop meeting like this. Yes. On the stairs, you <laughs> don't always associate Crawford Art Gallery with royalty. <laughs> although Prince Charles, of Court has been to visit. Yeah. But we do have a portrait of a Russian princess wow. and writer. Her name was Alexandra Petrovna Kropotkin, or her nickname was Sasha. Sasha. And the portrait itself is by the British painter Gerald Festus Kelly yeah. who himself was very much favored by the British royal family painted portraits of you know the queen mother and and so on and he is also the artist behind our own portrait of Sir Hugh Lane the great art collector
2: brilliant now what date was this portrait painted in roughly well
0: it's it's interesting we don't have a firm date on it mm. it's anywhere between probably 1912 and 1922 Oh wow! I probably err kind of closer towards the nineteen twelve. Although Sasha Kropotkin's hairstyle would suggest maybe slightly later. Yeah, very fashionable. Yeah, so let's say the mid nineteen ten. Yeah, a yeah. short bob. Yeah, that had been popularised by Irene Castle. So there's
2: were kind of a. The Castle (laughs) Bob, as was known. (laughs) Are we looking at the young princess at this stage? We are. So she is about in her Mm mid-twenties.
0: And the portrait itself, she is in a brown garment, which seems to have fur trim. And she looks over her left shoulder at us. Mm. The light catches her face. Her brown hair frames her face. And those very, very intelligent brown eyes stare back at us. She is a very interesting figure.
2: Yes, indeed. As we will find out, she was well-known as a translator and met some very well-known literary people. Before we get to that side of her life, later on in life, she became quite famous, even in the media, as far afield as the United States of America. She did. After
0: 1927, she lived in New York City Mm -hmm. and popularized Russian culture in the United States, which is quite interesting, I think, if we think of the Cold War period after the Second World War. And she also became quite a public Russian figure. Mm. So was invited on to television programmes and so on.
2: I couldn't believe that I actually came across a clip from September the 3rd, 1951, from the programme that you were writing about, CBS's Chronoscope. And it gives us a short description of the princess's life.
3: Here it is. Our guest on the Longines Chronoscope this evening is Princess Alexandra Kropotkin, a direct descendant of the first Tsar of all Russia. Her father was exiled from Tsarist Russia because of his liberal views. Princess Kropotkin returned to Russia in 1915, lived there through the early days of the Revolution, and it was her fate to be imprisoned by the Communists. In time, she escaped to America and has since worked for the liberation of her people. May I present Princess Kropotkin. Now we have an opportunity
2: I don't think we've ever had before. We can actually get to hear her voice. Extraordinary, isn't it? She's just been asked to describe Russian everyday life for the ordinary people, particularly under the secret police regime at the time.
3: You see, you ask how it's possible to have instilled so much terror First of all, there is incredible poverty and so much difficulty and energy goes into every little thing that people need for everyday life. Secondly, there's <coughs> a, uh, a horrible system of spying on one another, which the Communists have managed to develop. That's a refinement. That's A, a refinement. moral leprosy. I see. And that's something that's new in the police system. Oh, yes. There was, there were people who denounced others and who uh, spied, but not like it is now.
2: There you are. And she doesn't suffer fools gladly.
0: No, she doesn't. She knows her mind. Mm. I think you can gain from her that sense of that she is listening to what's being said and she'll mm. challenge yep. an untruth, which I suppose we're <laughs> we're quite used to in these days of you know, hearing the fake news, let's say. <laughs> but she challenges it. She speaks her mind, she yep. puts forward her perspective, and she puts forward her knowledge. She certainly traded somewhat on that. She even wrote a cookbook called How to Cook and Eat in Russian in 1947. (laughs) Quite interesting how we might see her as an authority figure.
2: Well, I'll tell you one thing she was an authority on. She was a great translator. I mean, she translated some of the great Russian masterpieces and even some of the works and plays of Irish playwrights like George Bernard Shaw.
0: She knew George Bernard Shaw through her father who was a scientist and an anarchist, Peter Kropotkin, but it's through her father that she became to know George Bernard Shaw, because they were both socialists. And then through that, she translated his plays into Russian, equally, as you said, some major works of Russian literature into English, including Can You Believe It?, war and peace.
2: Extraordinary. And also, she translated Dostoevsky's Crime and Punishment. You know, I mean, that is hard work. She obviously was very committed and very socially minded as well. She was fighting for the people's rights despite the fact that she was a descendant of royalty.
0: Yes, and I
2: think that's,
0: that's quite interesting about her because while she might have that pedigree, mm. if, if you will, um, she also has the socialist background of yeah. her father and she's growing up in that kind of the tension between the two. I don't think she was any fan of communist Russia, but certainly had very specific political views that weren't czarist either, more about people and their well-being. Perhaps she saw herself not only as a translator, but maybe as an interpreter of something that seemed quite mysterious to the outside world, Mm -hmm. which was Russian culture and Russian identity.
2: Do you have any gossip about her?
0: (laughs) Well, (laughs) I suppose it's quite interesting, and I suppose it's just a game about the web of connections in in London, because that's where she was born. She was born in in Bromley, south of London, in 1887, growing up there, and she, she spent the revolutionary period in Russia, so 1917 until the death of her father. But as a married woman, she conducted an affair with W. Somerset Maugham, who was the great friend of Gerald Bestus Kelly, who painted the portrait. (laughs) What's really interesting about him is that he was not only a writer, but a spy as well. So these are high times, and these are people who are very, very engaged in in the world.
2: Do you know what? This would make a great series for television, wouldn't it?
0: Oh, her life, I think, is quite extraordinary. And I... I think the different chapters of her life are very, very interesting. I think we're very lucky to have a portrait of her in Cork. It seems maybe an unusual subject to have. And I think maybe back in 1924 when we bought it, the same year as Sean Keating Men of the South, by the way, (laughs) and we paid £50 more for this one, (laughs) I think it's because it was by the artist. But I think we're very lucky that someone thought it's a good painting by him. But now I think it's even more interesting because
2: of her. Now, the interesting thing is at the moment, of course, the gallery is closed. But that does not deny anyone access to this week's Work of the Week because you can get it online. Just go to IE and look up Work of the Week. And with that, you've written an article about her and her life. But you've thrown in a fun fact for us to finish with this week.
1: Yes,
0: I suppose Sometimes it's quite interesting to think about the the private life of a masterpiece, if you will, stories behind it. And after we purchased it in 1924, we have minutes from committee meetings that discuss the work. And in particular, on Valentine's Day, no less, 1925, there's this little nugget, a design by Miss D. Roberts for a carved frame for the painting, Sasha Kropotkin was accepted and prize of one pound one shilling and no pennies offered for same was ordered to be paid her (laughs) so I don't know who Miss D. Roberts was I suspect she was a student of the school of art when it was then in Emmett Place and probably a competition was run among students to design a frame and we know that there were certain teachers in the school as well who were accustomed to making objects particularly in wood and as part of the arts and crafts movement.
2: Michael, thank you yet again. Quite a lot of history, background and interesting stories behind this week's Work of the Week. A fairly innocent-looking girl in her 20s when the portrait was taken, but not as innocent as it seems when you take into account what she did during her extraordinary life and travels and the people she met all over the world in her day. What a life she has lived. And you can get a glimpse of it again just by going to Crawford Gallery's online site for the moment and have a look at the princess, the princess Sasha Kropotkin, as she looks over her shoulder at you, unaware of what is yet to come. Michael, thanks again. Thanks a million, Conor. So if you want to see the portrait of the young Russian princess, Sasha Kropotkin, just go to www.crawfordartgallery.ie forward slash work of the week to find out more about the lives and loves of the intriguing Russian princess.
1: You know, I have to say I love those pieces that Connor and Michael have been doing on a weekly basis practically since lockdown began on the works of the week at the Crawford Art Gallery. But that particular one just gripped me. Wow, what a fantastic story. And I love how Michael said there that the painting was bought in 1924 as a good example of work by... The artist at the time, but that now over the years it's become almost more interesting for the story of its subject. And how exciting was it to see this week that the Crawford Gallery is the recipient of a 400,000 euro purchase fund now as part of that move to build up the national collection in a time of global pandemic? It was really, really great to see a million euro set aside to purchase work by contemporary artists around Ireland. Work that is already done, work that is sitting in their studios, work that they are unable to sell because they cannot hold exhibitions and they cannot meet their public and they cannot have viewings. And this is an incredible move and it's an exciting time. And I was listening to Mary McCarthy, the director of the Crawford Art Gallery during the week, and she said, like, it's been many, many years since the gallery had the money and the opportunity to do any kind, remotely, of this kind of purchasing of contemporary art and supporting current Irish artists. And I know that artists right around Monster will be really, really keen to see how they can get work into the National Collection through this purchase fund. So we wish them all the very, very best of luck in their submissions and we wish the Crawford the best of luck with their acquisitions. But seeing as we've been talking about Russian princesses, we might as well head to news with a little bit from the king, I guess, of music in Russia, Tchaikovsky. The Arts House with Griffin's Potatoes Cork. Fresh, flowery, and full of taste. It's at the root of what we do.